Today we are speaking with Daniel Hashimoto. Um, we're going to call him Hashi, and he is the the mind, the person behind Action Movie Kid. Um, is the handle on Twitter. He has a YouTube channel, Action Movie Dad, with forty thousand subscribers. He has a YouTube channel. Action Movie Kids with a million subscribers. His video, Action Movie Kids Volume 1, has 87 million views, which is incredible. He has quite possibly the coolest home movie collection of anyone on the planet at this point, I would I would guess. He's placed his kids in the roles and the powers of Doctor Strange, Iron Man, many others. Not only do his videos go viral and delight Twitter addicts like me uh, the world over, um, he also provides hours of breakdown and process videos to show exactly how he's going about uh, creating these videos. Uh, so Hashi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. <laughs> no problem, Michael. And there's uh, yeah, no way I can live up to that intro now, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. So the first question is obviously, how does your wife feel about you spending all this time rotoscoping your kids uh, out of footage and placing them? Um, into all these uh, incredible situations. Oh, she definitely uh, has some opinions on uh, what amount of time I spend with the digital versions of our kids compared to ours. But uh, <laughs> actually, she's really wonderful. Uh, she's a creative that I met when I was working at DreamWorks Animation. And so we've always worked together creatively on a handful of projects starting in those days. And so she's always been effectively a collaborator ever since I've been doing the videos suggesting ideas. She wrote our children's book and also has helped us pitch animated shows and the like. But yeah, I consider a, her a creative and parenting partner for everything. Give us your um, background. I'm interested to know kind of what you studied, how you started in the industry. I have always been obsessed with making movies, specifically making uh, kind of hybrid movies that involved computers and uh videotape as it were at the time uh probably starting when i was in maybe i was around eight like six years old to eight years old when i started playing with my dad's video recorder and at the same time i started practicing and playing around with deluxe paint four which was an old um like amiga 2000 animation program so Starting then, I would do little frame-by-frame -frame animations, and I would literally bring in the video camera to film them off the screen, and then splice them in with weird shorts that I subjected my uh, little brother and sister to performing in. And uh, just from then on, I've always been fascinated in the handoff back and forth between things you could make on the computer and things you could film with cameras. And uh, probably if we evolve all the way to like the 90s when there was the kind of explosion of home video recording software, uh, I was I was hooked. And uh, the discovery of After Effects made me realize that being able to manipulate video the way I'd always dreamed of doing uh, would just become a childish hobby that I would do in the background. But it also became a big means of expression through high school. Did you go to an art school or did you go to school for production or film? So I did go to USC for film school, where I ended up specializing kind of in, I was there in just the years before they started their animation program. And I really specialized in visual effects, doing the visual effects on all of my friends' 
short movies as they put them together and a handful of my own at the time. And immediately after film school, I got a job in production uh, at DreamWorks Animation. So I went from imagining I would be creating my own things and making them and using my creative talents somewhere to working production, which was, I think, a really important step in my evolution of things. Um, production at DreamWorks taught me, it humbled me a lot in terms of the types of talent that exist in the world and how much effort they put into collaborating with each other and working together. Um, I think that as I joined DreamWorks, I thought I was hot stuff and thought I was an artist and deserved to be working in the industry, making my own things and coming face to face with so many incredibly talented and seasoned directors and animation storyboard professionals made me realize that they they'd put in a lot of elbow grease to get where they were and really mm -hmm. proven what they could do. So, uh, I like to say luckily, but, um, my, my production experience at DreamWorks did not last too long. I got a promotion to a coordinator position fairly early. And then shortly after that started doing a bunch of animatics for the editorial department. Um, I liked playing around with animatics and also animating some of the incredible artists. There's, I would take their paintings and multiplying them to cut into our story reels. So producers and the executives would get to see something really pretty as early on as possible. And then my wife, uh, who I didn't know at the time, was the research associate for Alex McDowell, a production designer. I, incredible work in live action over the years. And he had made his way to DreamWorks and was interested in what we were doing there. And so uh, he was involved in a handful of projects, specifically uh, the movie that became Rise of the Guardians, where he hired me as a visual development artist for the first time, where I actually got to spend my whole day dinking around in After Effects with paintings or storyboards and trying to animate and bring them to life. So you're at DreamWorks, you're, you're working on these films. Um, how do we get from there to you um, starting this YouTube channel and kind of what inspired <laughs> and what, what brought this on? So um, I, so in, at DreamWorks, it was really a great opportunity. It was amazing how, how closely you worked with the high up creatives, which I thought was, which felt purely undeserved at the time. Um, working with like Alex McDowell or Peter Ramsey and uh, just a handful of great directors there. Um, uh, an incredible producer, Melissa Cobb, brought me on to the Kung Fu Panda series. I had consulted on the very first one where they knew they wanted to make a Samurai Jack-like intro, and eventually they decided to try to do that kind of stuff in-house. So while I was working on these uh, Kung Fu Panda movies, uh, number two and three, uh, we had our, Mandy and I in the background had gotten married and had our first child. And so kind of around this time, a lot of our friends were sharing videos online of their kids taking their first steps, doing things like that. And to kind of, to not be exactly the same as all of our friends, I thought it would be funny to post videos where our child looked like he was in incredible danger or like bizarre things were going on wherever we went. And yeah. so I started posting videos of him to Facebook of them doing 
absurd things. And it felt very much like uh, a, a, ho- a hobby. It felt a lot like what I did in high school with a bunch of my goofy friends. Just, you know, whatever I filmed on my phone, tossing it in the computer at the end of the night and working for a few hours on something and putting it together. So yeah, um, give, giving them lightsabers and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. So I'd been doing this for about two months and my parents who have always been really big champions of what I do weren't on Facebook or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I would literally email them YouTube links, which is the best way I could share the videos with them <laughs> online that I could think of. Um, and then one day at, sitting at my desk, I got a call and it was my friend saying, Hey dude, you're on the front page of Reddit. I thought, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> and so like I hopped over, saw that someone had posted a GIF made out of one of my videos and that someone had tracked down the source and posted that up top. And I thought, this will be really cool. Um, but within that day, we got a million views on the YouTube channel for a handful of the videos, a dozen interview requests literally calling into my desk at DreamWorks. Oh, because wow. apparently you can just call up anyone <laughs> yeah. uh, and, say, and just ask for them at DreamWorks. But um, yeah, I, I, we ended up on like Good Morning America the next morning and a handful of local news things covering the story, a film crew coming to our house the next day. I missed work. And um, there's this bizarre explosion that I thought would be a really fun week. Like I thought it'd be really neat to have this, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. It's it's so funny that you just you were putting content on YouTube um, as a means of just letting your parents see it. It's like, well, I'll just upload it here so I can send them the link, um, and then it just explodes. That's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we like not knowing what to do at the time made us like rush to call it. I don't know, action movie kid, uh, just to anonymize him a little bit, and like we'll think of something better hmm. eventually, <laughs> and which we never did. And, um, yeah, the, at the time I think you couldn't change the channel name or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was this really interesting thing where my hobby suddenly became this thing that I was known for doing, uh, after I already felt Mm -hmm. like I was 10 years vested into a respectable job that had benefits and insurance and all of the things that I knew I ought to have as an adult. And the side gig felt like this goofy creative thing that I shouldn't give much it's hard to put faith in YouTube to provide for a family. So I thought I'll, I'll keep it up as a hobby, but that's the best I can do. And then uh, six months later, more and more requests and commercial collaborations had come up, including Toys R Us requesting me to direct 60 of their commercials for the summer and winter season. And suddenly I wow. had didn't have enough time for my very long-standing job at DreamWorks and ended up uh, retiring from there to pursue doing YouTube stuff, which is something I would still wow. never with a serious voice recommend to anybody. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. If you can just uh, go viral on Reddit and then get on Good Morning America, then yeah, maybe maybe yeah. go for it. So how many years has this been, if it is, a full-time, kind of your full-time work? So we're basically coming up on five years of it being of uh, me having left DreamWorks, which is incredible to me. Um, The the timing of it basically works out that I retired from DreamWorks right when my daughter was born. And so I've been home for the entirety of her life. Her birthday is coming up in a few weeks, and that'll be 
she'll be five and that'll be five years for me uh, away from a desk job, as it were. Are you going to have to just keep having more kids so you can, you know, keep having that awesome toddler <laughs> three, four, five <laughs> age? Oh man, we, we've had a lot of questions about it. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to cap it at two. Um, we've okay. got the boy, we've got the girl, so we don't have any, you know, pressure from Perfect. family to produce anything better than that. <laughs> produce is such an amazing word to use for, for my <laughs> beloved children. But, um, yeah. Render yes, a child. They, yeah. they are enough of an adventure to fill our lives quite uh, adequately. Yeah, I feel you on that one. I have two as well, a three-year-old and a two-year-old, and it's just, um, it is certainly kind of its own full-time full-time job. So do you have a team of people that, that work with you? I was trying to fully kind of stalk you on Reddit and get the backstory. <laughs> and I think you had said somewhere, although the, the thread was a little older, that you kind of had writers and you had some people that were um, helping you with uh, the production of YouTube content. Oh, for, uh, yeah, it definitely depends on the project. Um, at the time, we had a couple of big projects where they were funded by um, usually if they were a commercial, um, collaboration or something like that, um, depending on the scope of it, we would try to get a crew or get other people to work on projects. Um, overall, uh, I end up doing all of the post work for almost everything. I have a few close friends that mm. I've been able to rope into helping me with some effects on, um, a short that we did for this, uh, YouTube channel called field day uh for a while and um i also will sometimes try to send rotoscoping jobs out to freelancers to get back uh, just to try to save myself time yeah. but in the end part of the fun has just been really diving into them and getting my own hands dirty on whatever we produce which is one of the reasons for our infrequent posting schedule. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, the collaboration with your wife, um, in terms of doing a children's book. And that might already be a few years old if I'm correct there, but I'd love to hear, um, kind of the background on that project. Sure. Um, so at some, at the same time that I was, I think, directing the second wave of Toys R Us commercials, um, a request came through from, um, I think they were, I think it's Atria books, which is a division of Simon and Schuster. Uh, who were having a bunch of, I hate this word, influencers write mm. books and giving them book deals. Um, many of them at the time were, you know, this is how I became successful on YouTube. Here's a biography. Mm. And we, we it, it felt very, <laughs> um, it did not feel like we had anything worth writing in that regard. And so we said, how, like, we like to make things that kids like to watch. How about a children's book? And the, this division of the publishing company wasn't familiar with children's books, but it was something that we were really interested in, uh, working in animation, producing content for kids. And so uh, we started spitballing ideas over the phone with the publisher, and eventually we tried to figure out how we could make it an actual um, story. And so uh, my wife went off and, sa and said, this is how I think all the kids' books that I like to read to our kids at bed go and wrote out an outline for the story, which was our material to pitch to the publisher who loved it. They paired us with an illustrator who happened to live nearby. So we were able to actually interact and work with our illustrator 
which we didn't realize, and I think the publisher even didn't realize that in a lot of children's books circles, the illustrator and the the you know the text author rarely interact, and in some cases they're distinctly mm. kept apart by kind of a wall of the publisher mm. because the publisher is trying to you know handpick what artistic styles uh, you know live yeah, the best yeah. for certain types of stories and the like, and the more collaboration there is, the the fewer voices and agency they may have. So um, it was really wonderful to get to work hand in hand with the illustrator as he put together the illustrations for the book. And uh, it was just one of the most fun things we've ever done. You know, so I'm sure you must get it all the time with people saying, well, how do I grow a YouTube channel as if there's some kind of uh, playbook that you have behind the scenes that you could share? But is it fair to say that just... And it's so interesting. I hear, I see it all the time. I feel that people who do things without any expectation of return, they're doing it out of passion or interest, um, or even just for fun, are the things that can that can kind of take off and and become a thing. I would absolutely say that that's true. Um, it really does feel like if you're passionate about something, you will put a lot of effort into it. And I think that there is a pretty decent detector just a subconscious detector of people seeing people that love what they're doing. Mm. And that's very entertaining to watch, whatever it is. So in my case, it happened to be visual effects. But for a lot of people, it may just be how they react to the the items they buy, or the way they react to toys that are on the market, or the way that they like to do editing tricks or something like that, or a specific skill that they like honing and filming themselves and putting themselves out there. So it's a combination of being confident enough about what you're doing to put it out there, knowing that you'll get a full barrage of feedback from the encouraging to the discouraging to, you know, it's the, it's the whole, you know, don't read the comments advisory uh, for many people. Um, <laughs> we totally read the comments because it's, because I find it interesting. And one of the things that I like about it is the few times I've engaged, um, in comment threads, it's usually been wonderfully positive and the back and forth between fans, uh, either on Twitter or on YouTube, they're usually slightly different age groups. And it's really fun to engage with other people who are interested in doing their own thing because it may, it may be, you know, costuming or something completely different, but the people who love what they're doing and do it for fun and would be doing it, whether or not they got the spotlight for it or the types of talents that I feel like really, really shine online. And so anytime we've tried to catch the wave of something that was, you know, in the zeitgeist or that was trending at the moment and trying to hit those, they, they always seemed more insincere than when we were just playing around. That That's great wisdom, I think, across so many different areas of interest. And um, I, I can't even imagine the range of comments you've received with now well in excess of, you know, hundreds, millions of views on, on YouTube. And um, there's always just going to be people who um, say silly or stupid things, but it's such like a joy, you know, both of your YouTube channels are so joyful and playful and fun. And you've got these, you know, a beautiful family and the quality of the videos is so good. Um, so what is the average length of time you'll typically devote to a video that's not like a commercial project, but it's just, you know, you're, you're turning your son into Iron Man in the kitchen and he's levitating. What's, how much, is it a week? Is it a day? What does that usually look like? I would say it's probably two days on average is what it's worked out to. 
Usually yeah. like I'll have free time one day, so I'll set aside the day and put together the effect and be, you know, 90% done. And I'll usually leave out the one hard part that I just didn't want to deal with until the very last moment. And like I'll decide, okay, I'll throw it together the next day. And then, so the next day will be some finaling, doing the sound editing, which is a fairly big part of it, surprisingly. Um, almost, I would say easily 75% of the audio in all of the action movie kids is completely fabricated or mm. recreated, which is um, a little bizarre, I know, and, and could feel inauthentic. But um, knowing that there are many pieces of entertainment um, I'll like run back and grab footsteps and room tone and camera handling noises or have James say a different line when he's facing away from camera and me speaking <laughs> from behind camera is always fake. Um, yeah. Because usually what I'm really saying is, Hey James, run, a run over and jump over that thing. And the audio and the final thing is, Hey, look out buddy. And, yeah. and what's great about it is children at that age, are so willing to engage in imaginative play that I think this comes down to the idea of someone doing what they love to do as well. Like the, when the kids are having genuine fun, those videos are worth doing when they're rehearsed or scripted. Um, I feel like it's our job and often falls to my wife's job to engage them in play that will get a performance out of them. Say we're mm. promoting a you know a an app, a video game app or something like that, where it's hard to think of what to do to make it exciting to show them holding a phone and playing it. And so instead we'll come up with a, a game where they can run around and experience some of the things that you might in the game. And that is genuinely fun to see them actually reacting to things and jumping around because yeah, the the kids don't necessarily want to be actors. And so but at the same time, they're really great at at engaging and buying into the types of play we get to do for the videos. And how old are your kids now? So James is eight now, and Sophia is four going on five. So uh, Sophia is the same age okay. that James was when he was doing his first round of videos, basically. And uh, James is now old mm -hmm. enough that he has a lot of creative agency as well, which is kind of cool. He'll propose ideas for videos. He'll be interested in trying to take them on himself. There's one video that yeah. I kind of, I sat with him at the desk and we sort of went through and did all of the steps of post-production together. And he, he remarkably gets a lot of the things that I do and expresses some of the same fascination that I did with movie making. But uh, he certainly has, you know, he's eight. The, the, the world is full of amazing things to <laughs> keep him engaged. Yeah. With. It's so cool for them though, to, to be exposed to that and to get to understand it. And, um, you know, I'm always amazed at how smart and intelligent that kind of eight, nine, 10 range could be. I certainly would not be shocked if someone that age could really start to learn compositing and, um, and start to put some of that together. So I guess that'll be very interesting for you guys to see if they go into the film industry like you were. Um, but I just think that's so, you know, great for, for their development to be, to be exposed to those things. Are they in school or are you guys homeschooling? Uh, they're in school right now. Um, my son will be going into third grade at the start of the school year in a few days. And, uh, my daughter will be starting, um, transitional kindergarten, which is the, uh, she's right on nice. the, her birthday is right at that weird age where she's 
could either be the oldest or the youngest and we're trying to see how she does but she's a she's a firecracker she's yeah. <laughs> she's a clever one i mean your son must be a borderline celebrity in the third grade i i, <laughs> I would assume there are a lot of people who in third grade are creating their own youtube channels and mm. it is it's it's a very bizarre world to be dipping our toes into where they know that that one kid in their class has a million subscribers and they you know, they all have their own Minecraft channel or their own uh, channel where they do magic tricks or something like that. And I, I love that type of expression for kids. And obviously social media amplifies that so much. Um, it puts you into this wider bizarre worldly audience and, uh, you know, as kids, it's tricky. Like it's like, it's luckily, you know, the, the parents are running our YouTube channel, but also I know that, uh, yeah, YouTube is a big means of expression and way people get their information out into the world and also gather all of their information from the world themselves. So it's a, it's a weird world. It's, it's just a, a wider, uh, area of caution that you always have to watch out for. Are there any pieces that you've done that stand out to you as your um, as your favorite? Um, the one that I often bring up for our favorite is um, our parody of Jaws. Uh, it was okay. what I loved about it was it was one of the few cases that I did have. Um, I had one of my buddies from film school come over, so he had a camera and I had a camera, and Mom played this amazing shark game with them. She wore like an oven mitt and was running around behind and below the couches, snapping at James while James was trying to attack the sharks and throw balls at them oh, and the geez. like. And what was so fun about it was we had the whole family, including Sophia, making one of her first cameos in the videos, sitting in a laundry basket, reacting to the game in the same way. And at the end of it all, we had just, you know, a few hours of footage of them playing this game without any specific idea of how we were going to end it or what the story was or anything like that. Um, whether you need a story for a two minute sketch really um, so much as a, an action arc or something, but uh, we ended up editing together this fun piece that we imagined would work. And I gave myself a really tight deadline for releasing the video to force myself to not dwell too long on the visual effects and interestingly, that amount of pressure made me come up with some bizarre creative solutions that I might not have before. And I'm actually really proud of the visual effects and how they turned out in the final video. So the effects are firing on full blast. The kids' performances are amazing. Uh, my mm. wife did an incredible job directing them through it. And uh, yeah, with all that, it's rare to have coverage. Um, I'm, I'm mm. usually filming with my iPhone quickly on the spot or something like that. And so it was interesting to actually have footage to sift through for something. So give me what, what was one of the more challenging ones or frustrating ones um, that still made it on to the YouTube channel though? Um, the uh, One of the more challenging ones was our Alien parody. Um, it's a slightly longer short, uh, comparable to the Jaws one, I would say in length, but the complexity from the visual effects standpoint was a lot higher. It was all things that I individually knew that I could do, but a big challenge to actually get it done. Um, mm. We The filming of it was actually really impulsive. Uh, we had 
uh, a random day where James didn't have school or something like that and wanted to film something to, um, to earn a reward. And I can't remember what it was at the time. It was possibly um, a big Lego set that he'd had his eye on or something like that, that we said, okay, can you give me a work day? Like you could totally earn it with a work day. And he said, yes. And so we made this vacation day, a work day where we ran out to the party store, grabbed a fog machine. I called up that same buddy from film school. Uh, his name is Jabari uh, to come over and help me film. And we just made up this very short um, idea of James wandering out into the garage uh, with a slight fear of the spiders that live in the garage. And we turned it into effectively a parody of a handful of scenes from Alien. So mm. we filmed this all in something like uh, probably April of 2016. And then I had the footage. I did a rough cut, you know, that same month or something like that. But then the project ended up sitting around because I didn't have time for the for the post work on it. So just every now and then throughout over the course of the, a year, I would whittle away a few hours to try out a new technique and maybe get one shot done. But then I would have to go back to regular life and regular work and mm -hmm. try to balance it in. And it turns out that anytime we film these longer sketches, they end up being something where there's such a bottleneck at post, which is effectively me, <laughs> that uh, they take a very long time to do. So we ended up filming a few pickups for it about a year later when James was just was arguably taller and had a different haircut, but we tried to make it work. And uh, I think that it all turned out all right, but uh, you'd never know that the production on those, you know, two minutes or something like that would be <laughs> two years of work. So the audience listening to this is probably going to be, um, it's going to be motion designers. It's going to be people who, who do visual effects. Mm -hmm. And I've seen you mention, you know, cause I'm sure you get the question a million times, Hey, how do I get into this? How can I learn these things? And, um, I just see you encouraging people, Hey, you know, go online, watch tutorials. If you really love it, you put in the time, look at red giant, look at video copilot. Um, are there any other sources of, you know, VFX assets or stock assets that you use in your work? Or is it primarily like Red Giant stuff and Video Copilot stuff? Um, I recommend those guys highly, of course. I yeah. do work part-time for Red Giant and love a lot of the tools that they're putting together. I've used them yeah. just since they existed, honestly. And it was, and I used that as a way to work myself toward a relationship with them, which was great. Um, Video Copilot, of course, has been doing it forever. Andrew's stuff is amazing and encouraging in a really great way. Um, yeah. I highly suggest watching channels like Film Riot and uh, Corridor Crew. Um, the the Corridor yep. guys, they, they both make incredible shorts, are really wonderful guys, and they the Crew channel has been a really great way that they share a lot of their expertise what goes into something, some of the challenges you might face creatively going into something with a relatively small crew. And so trying to keep all of those things just kind of constantly like washing over you is usually a really wonderful, inspirational way to think about what you might be able to do in terms of your abilities and what might inspire you creatively. Um, the Those are the handful that I would watch for resources. Uh, you know, the knowledge is a resource. Um, Film Riot and the Triune Store have a 
ton of wonderful assets um, that help in especially action filmmaking. Um, and recently we've been working a ton with Action VFX, which is another wonderful mm -hmm. collection of every type of um, VFX stock footage you could imagine. Um, fires, explosions, snow, atmospheres, water splashes, all of these wonderful and really incredibly well-produced assets that I like to use both in action movie kid videos and for some of the tutorials I'm doing for Red Giant these days. Um, but yeah. for, I know that for, um, you know, for the more motion design world, um, I'm, I'm more limited in my experience. And I actually think that I have very poor design aesthetic. I'm more of a hack than a designer. And, uh, after, uh, getting together with a handful of people at, uh, AE world, um, the conference in Seattle, uh, maybe a month ago or something. Um, speaking to a lot of the motion design people, it seemed like a lot of their inspiration came from just trying to fill their feeds with other designers, seeing what other people are doing out there as, and to think of it more as inspiration and ways to challenge yourself to think, could I do something either like it? Or if I were going to do something like it, what would I do differently? And whatever inspires you to, that you've, whenever you see something online and you think I've got to try that, those are the things that I think you should try to pair it back to the world as loudly as possible. If you're struck by such inspiration that you had to get it out, um, then continue to try to push that out there, whether it's on your reel or um, on an Instagram or a Twitter feed or, you know, wherever motion designers like to hang out these days. I, I feel like a very old person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the kids on the tweeter or or whatever it's called yes. yes um yeah no that that's great wisdom those are some great resources that we'll uh, link up into the post as well so people can check that out um yeah i love the corridor crew guys they're the ones that do the like the vfx artist react oh, videos yes. i think where they're like sitting on a those are uh those are supremely interesting and you're right there's like a crazy amount of expertise that just comes out in those like you know 10 15 minute videos which is um which is really cool for people that aren't even into to visual effects to kind of get a little bit of their bearings of what really highly skilled vfx artists uh, are looking at or seeing and you just kind of learn about um these various processes so um you know again thank you so much for your time we'll get you out of here on this can you give us a kind of forward look onto the youtube channels or is it just going to be as inspiration strikes, you'll make videos. Do you guys keep a, a schedule? What is it, What do you want for uh, action movie kids and action movie dad um, going forward? Well, um, working part-time at Red Giant has made me very interested in being uh, trying to be a mentor as much as I can to anyone who is interested in this type of work. So I love using Red Giant and the my series on their YouTube channel, Cheap Tricks as a way to teach as many people as I can about whatever I can. Um, on the Action Movie Kid front, we have a nice backlog of 100 episodes at least and three or four shorts that are completely filmed but need the post work done on them. So uh, for those, I try to keep um, true to the idea of being inspired and working on the thing that you're the most inspired by at the time. 
it's not a great business practice, but it does mean that whatever <laughs> I work on, I'll work on hard and fiercely when it comes up. And yeah. sometimes I'll be in the middle of editing a big short that's four or five minutes long. And I'll think this is going to be incredible. People are going to love it. And then my daughter will do something funny in her room and suddenly I'll drop everything because that seems like the thing that's got to get out there next. So it's weird uh, trying to react to your inspiration and make any kind of a schedule out of it. But luckily being surrounded by such creative kids and a creative wife and uh, doing visual effects stuff all day long means that inspiration comes from everywhere. Well, your channels are extremely inspiring. Um, I love seeing the videos and they're so cool. And thank you so uh, much. You know, I show them to my kids and they think it's incredible. And so now I'm going to have to copy you as they get a little bit older and do some fun, uh, some, some fun home videos as Jump well. in there. Um, yeah. Uh, Hashi, thank you so much. Everybody listening, thank you for listening to this episode. Again, check out um hashi follow him on twitter at action movie kid um subscribe to action movie dad action movie kids check out the cheap tricks uh series he's doing with red giant and hashi we look forward to seeing more of your breakdowns and more of your uh short films thank you so much thanks so much michael